thank you for your presence today. Soul searching can be an unenviable task, particularly if we are unwilling to stand before God and see ourselves as He sees us. Are we truly living for Christ? Are we bearing witness of true salvation? Or are we just going through the motions without fruit that bears true conversion? Are we dealing with our spiritual deficiencies? Are we confessing and repenting of our sins and depending on God to strengthen us? Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander imparts wisdom to us today. That's why some of you can't can't grasp because you don't listen. You have to be still. You have to cut off all those gadgets and all the technology. You can't have a lot of folk around you and grasp. You got to be yourself still and then say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. A a true worshiper sits before God and listen and look at the scripture and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord opened her heart. Let me tell you something. If the Lord don't open your heart, I can preach myself until I get blue in the face. You'll not gain understanding and you'll not be able to apprehend and comprehend scriptures as God desires. Uh, uh, Another thing, number two, when we fail to pray, we become more independent and we have a tendency to trust our own human wisdom, reasoning. We begin to trust our own ability and sufficiency. When we fail to pray, then here's what happened. You begin to decline spiritually. You say, how? You become more independent instead of being dependent on God. And we have a tendency of trusting our own human wisdom, our own human intellect, you know, and uh, th- th- that's not good. You begin to trust your own human reasoning, your own ability and your own sufficiency. And with and there's not enough in you that's adequate to take you to another spiritual level in Christ. You, you need the Holy Spirit. You can't you can't. Depend on your own, your own ability, your own human reasoning, your own smartness, your own intellect. Second Corinthians three, five says, second Corinthians chapter three, verse five says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God is from God. In other words, prayer keeps us sensitized to the fact that we need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and divine revelation from the Lord. It keeps you dependent upon the Holy Spirit and divine revelation from the Lord. Apart from Christ, we can do absolutely nothing. You're not sufficient in and of yourself. You need someone greater than you to help you. Uh, in life to help you with scriptures to help you live the Christian life that's John 15 5b for without me you can do nothing number three when prayer is no longer a priority we have the potential of losing God's divine covering and protection when prayer is no longer a priority we have the potential of losing God's divine covering and what protection That's big. It it is the grace and mercy of God that protects us even when our prayer life is 
deficient. You say, well, I'm not praying uh, like I ought to be praying. It seems like he's protecting me anyhow. Count that as God's grace toward you. <laughs> you hear what I say? Count that as God's mercy toward you. If God's protection was contingent upon our prayer life, we would all be wiped out because we're not praying enough. Man, we need to be praying. With all this danger around us, on the freeways, sit, I mean, just sitting in a school or in a movie theater, sitting on a beach, in a plane, anywhere. You know, you can be in a tall building like what happened, 911, going to work, and all the, you can be on a bridge, and the bridge claps in the water. Remember that years ago? Just claps. Or you can be on a carnival ship, and all of a sudden, everything goes whammy. You pull by a tugboat and there goes your cruise. You get on a cruise ship and forget to pray and God has to remind you that you should have been praying and not gambling. Okay. Psalms 18. Psalms 18, chapter 18, verses 2 and 3 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. God is your protector. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is a place of safety. I call, and listen, America is not a safe place to live. That's right. It is not a safe place to live. You can be walking down the street on the sidewalk, and, a, and it, you can be pickpocket, pickpocket, pickpockets everywhere. Things can happen. Somebody can shoot you. Or somebody can just beat you up, knock you in the head with a bat. You know, uh, America is no longer a safe place to live. And, uh, and our government is pushing us farther and farther away from God. They're endorsing things that's going to bring judgment upon God while we are uh, uh, idolizing people. The scripture says, I call on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. Let me tell you something. Our protection is contingent upon our adherence and obedience to the word of God. Our protection is contingent upon our adherence and obedience to the word of God. God takes delight in protecting those whose lives are continually cleansed from a uh, cleansed through confession of sins. He loves to protect those whose lives are continually being cleansed and one who continually uh, confesses their sins. God is also able to confuse, put to shame and dishonor those who have ungodly motives and strategies against you. And what was intended for evil against you, God can overrule that evil and work it for your good and they end up blessing you. With their evil. That's right. I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That's right. God can take care of you and they're trying to hurt you. And while they're trying to hurt you, they're blessing you in ways they can't even understand. Well, I tried to hurt them, but look like they're doing better than before. It's because the Lord is their shepherd and the Lord is their keeper. Why don't you say amen? Listen, number four. The fourth reason, when we fail to pray, our faith will waver and we are more inclined to live in fear and worry. When you're not praying, your faith is going to waver and we're more inclined 
to live in fear and worry. People of faith who are praying will have strong faith and they won't be so scary. Luke 18, one says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray. Not sometimes, but always ought to pray and not faint and not lose heart. And you will lose heart when you look at the economy, when you look at what's going on around you, or when you look at the evil and the agenda of the nation. Uh, you lose heart, but if you keep your eyes on Jesus and keep praying your way through, prayer works. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God will give you peace in the midst of uncertainty. In the midst of uncertainty in America, God will give you peace. Don't, don't focus on the stock market. Don't focus on what the investors are saying. Don't focus on what the president is saying. Don't live by that. Don't focus on the Congress or the Senate. You're going to be all confused because they're in confusion. They don't even know the way. Uh, you, you better keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You see, uh, number nine. Here's another question. A couple of more and we'll be done. Are you close to the Lord or distant from him? Are you close to the Lord or are you distant from him? James chapter four, verse eight, a says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In other words, we must refuse to allow Satan to drive a wedge between us and God. We must refuse to allow Satan to drive a wedge between us and God. Intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus is to have a deep abiding communion with him. Now, here's a big here's a big thought. I want you to grasp it. If the longing of our hearts is not to grow closer to Jesus, we will subtly and gradually drift further away from him. If the longing of our hearts is not to to grow closer to Jesus, that's not your heart's desire to get closer and closer and closer. Every day you want to get a little bit closer, a little bit closer to God. If you're not getting closer to God, then, and that, if that's not your heart's desire, then you're going to be, begin to drift subtly and gradually further away from him. A passage on that is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. We, to hear and obey what we've heard, lest we drift away. And, there, there, there's, there, and if you don't stay close to God, and stay, and stay uh, intimate, with, intimate with our Heavenly Father, you'll find yourself clean out of the, uh, you'll find yourself out of the assembly of God. You'll find yourself drifting. And then when you look, look around, when all is said and done, you say, how did I get here? It didn't happen all at once. It was a gradual, subtle thing. And all of a sudden, you was as far away from God than you ever knew. What does Satan use to drive a wedge between us and God? What does Satan use? There's some things Satan used to drive a wedge between us and God. What does he use to get you distant from God? He uses your not being alert. That's why the scripture keeps saying, be alert, be alert. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may, whom he may devour. Uh, not, being, not being alert, he uses that. 
Overcommitment. Overcommitment. You just put too much on your plate. Distractions. Just stuff all around you. Bells and whistles and gadgets and people and sports and self-pleasure. <laughs> Busyness. You all things to all people. You're so important that you think they can't do without you. If you die, you find out they're going to go right on. You're not going to find out. Uh, they will go right on <laughs> because you're gone. People will give you a heart attack and won't even come to your funeral. Uh, uh, entertainment can drive a wedge between you and God. All these Judge Judy shows, Judge Brown, Judge who else? Now y'all don't know anything. But all these judges and all these all these reality shows and all that. Oh, I'm so I mean that's just on and on and on. I'm tired of it. Entertainment. Addictions can drive a wedge between you and God. It could be I don't have an addiction. Well, do you eat too much? Huh? Do you talk too much? You're addicted. So, so don't tell me you don't have an addiction. Talking too much is addiction. That's right. Uh, you drink too much coffee, too much caffeine, soda, addiction. That's why we have fasting and prayer to wean you off some of this stuff. Some of you are addicted to sweets. Some of you chocolate. Huh? Some of you frequenting places you ought not be frequenting. Even on websites. Sometimes you don't have to go to a certain place now. You can just go to your computer and be all over the world in the wrong place. Uh, you, you see? Some of you are addicted to your pride. Huh? Some of you are addicted to, to rebellion. You've been rebellious so long till you're addicted to it. You just a rebellious, a hellish rebellion. Whatever. You get <laughs> The inability to receive wise counsel can separate you from God. You you don't tell me, I don't want to hear that. You, you, who are you to tell me? You got problems too. Hardness of heart can separate you from God. Do you realize the harder your heart is, it can get so hard until you're in an unholy mess. And sometimes you, your heart is so hard until he just turned you over to your own hardness as he did Pharaoh. And that's bad. And some of you, you're separated from God by seeking to please people. Instead of seeking to please God. You're people pleaser. You're everywhere. You're Mr. and Mrs. Socialite. You want to make every party, every social, every, every little thing that's happening. You, you, you there and you're upset when you're not invited. You ought not want to be invited everywhere. You don't have that much time on your hands. And if, if somebody don't invite you somewhere, don't get all perturbed. Go study your Bible. That's more time for you to be with the Lord. You up there, she didn't invite me. He didn't invite me. I didn't get an invitation. So what? So what? So what? You are always invited to be in the presence of God. God Almighty. Beloved, the world is too dangerous. Satan is too busy. And life is too short. For us not to be pursuing intimacy with the Savior. Satan is too what? Busy. And life is too what? Your life and my life is very short. For us not to be pursuing intimacy with the Savior. Father, but not the least. 
Five more minutes and I'll be done. Number 10. It's the last one. Does the Holy Spirit control your tongue or is it loose, destructive, and out of control? All right. This is a self-check inventory. It's about us. Does the Holy Spirit control your tongue or is it loose, destructive, and out of control? James chapter 3, verses 6, 8, and 10. James chapter 3, verses 6, 8, and 10. It says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so sad among our members that it defiles the whole body and, and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. Woo. Verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. That little small thing in your mouth. You think, I can handle, I can handle my No, you can't. The Bible says no man, no woman either. Contain the tongue. It is an look. It is an unruly. Have you ever seen a, a, an unruly tongue? Unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Your tongue can kill folk. Verse ten. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not. To be. What condition is your tongue in? And that goes back to your thought life. Because you speak what's on your heart. That's right. You cut somebody out. Oh, I didn't mean to. Yes, you did. You did exactly what you. Yes, you did. You, yes, you did. You meant, you meant just what you said. And it came out the way it should have. Because that's what you've been thinking. What's in you going to come out. Uh-oh, y'all getting quiet now. How do you gain control over your little unruly tongue? How do you gain control over that tongue? I don't care how long you've been saved, you're going to be dealing with the issue of that little bitty member in your mouth. It's small, but ooh, it can do a world of damage. Burn up everything in its path. How do you gain control over your tongue? I'm going to give you A, B, C, D, and E, and we'll go home. A, ask the Lord to bridle your tongue. Ask the Lord to bridle your tongue. Let that be a prayer request during this time of fasting and prayer. Write that one down and you'll be better off after 40 days of fasting and prayer. Give your tongue to the Lord during this period of fasting and prayer. Bridle your tongue. What does it mean to bridle? Huh? Keep in check. Control. Huh? Uh, ask the Lord to bridle your tongue. Uh, B, do more listening than speaking. Some people just talk, 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 talk. You can't get a word in edgewise. They just love to hear themselves talk. But you can't be a blessing to folk always talking. Hush your mouth so you can hear folks' heart. James 1, 19, James chapter 1, verse 19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Quick to hear, swift to hear, slow to speak. Many of you are quick to speak and slow to hear. Uh, see, pray and think before you speak. Pray and think before you speak. Why are they talking? Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord, show me how to respond. 
And sometimes you say, Lord, hold my tongue. That's right. That's the biggest prayer you can say, hold my tongue. Have you ever said something you wish you can get back? How many, how many of you have said things and you wish to this day you hadn't said it? All of us have. All of us have. Uh, pray and think before you speak. I said last Sunday, I'm so glad God didn't give us the ability to read minds. Because we can't even take what folk are saying. Not to mention what they think. Believe you me, I don't want to know what you're thinking. I, I don't want. Thank you, Lord, for not letting, me, not letting me have the capacity to read minds. I can't even take what folks say. Not to mention what they think. D. Before speaking, ask yourself every time. Is what I'm about to say going to edify and bless or tear down and bring harm? And then you'll know not to say what you're about to say. Before speaking, ask yourself, is what I'm about to say going to edify and bless or tear down and bring harm? E, finally but not the least, we will one day answer to God for what we say, think, and do. Now that, that brings it all home. We will one day what? Answer to God for what we say, what we think, and what we do. Wow. What we say, think, and do. Listen, I want everyone with the Bible, you got to turn to these scriptures. You must turn to these scriptures you say, somebody said, well, I got iPads. Well, go on, touch the button and uh, get yourself there. And uh, I bet you if you had a Bible, you couldn't get there that quick. Matthew 12, 36 through 37. Matthew 12, 36 through 37. When you finally say amen. Matthew is weak, so you're still looking. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. When you finally say amen, that's better. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Y'all, that just stripped me down. And look, but I say to you that for every idle word men, woman and girl, woman, boys and girls say, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment for by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. You will be judged. Oh, be careful, little mouth. What you say? Luke 12, 3 says, Luke 12, 3 says, it's a big one too. If you can get there fast enough. This is Maranatha Bible Church. Get there, get there as fast as you can. You need this verse. Highlight it. Put an asterisk beside it. Bracket it in. Do something with it. Luke 12, 3. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark. How many of you said some things in the quiet or behind somebody's back? Woo! Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. In other words, God's going to bring it to be. And what you have spoken 
in the ear, in inner rooms, uh -huh, little quiet secret places, will be proclaimed on the housetops. <laughs> Y'all, if that doesn't get your attention, what will? He said, well, how do I get a grasp on all of this? Pastor, the word of God shook me up this morning. Good. What is it teaching me? Get closer to God. When you're close to God, God, God gets a handle on your mouth and your behavior and your attitude, and your disposition. Draw near the Savior. God is calling you today to come home, my child. Come home. I wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The path of sin too long I trod. Lord, I'm coming home. I've wasted many precious years. Now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home. Never more to roam. Open wide thine arms of love. Lord, I'm coming home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the message. Thank you for the word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Father, for this message that's giving us a spiritual foundation upon which to stand. As confessed believers in the only true and living God, we miss out on countless blessings due to our lack of faithfulness, obedience, and service. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everything we need is at our disposal. When will we trust God enough to believe and depend on His Word? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.